0: Uh, who? Who? Wait, is this right? The fucking boss, white on white, G four haters. It's fucking Ross.
1: Hey, it's fucking Ross. It's
0: fucking Ross.
1: We're talking. Fa- we're talking Ross.
0: Do you know who I am?
1: Ross. I'm Rick Richard. Ross.
0: <laughs> Richard Ross. I am
1: a Richard. My name is Richard Ross, and I am the boss of this port. I'm the boss. <laughs> I am the inspector of this port. I'm
0: Mister Manager. It's a. It's telling that you know, boss gets a lot of play as a as a term in the hip hop world but no one is being like I'm the manager out here. <laughs> it's me, Mr. Manager. <laughs> yes.
1: The uh, the
0: Nothing rhymes with, <laughs> with manager. way more shit rhymes with boss.
1: The yeah, the the, the linguistic and sociological implications of the interplication of boss and manager uh, are certainly something that we can explore. Maybe not in this episode, maybe down the line.
0: Who the fuck you think you're talking to? It's Mr. Manager. <laughs> it's Tell Mr. your girl to report to me. I'm a manager. <laughs> How about that? Yes. No, that's still that's still, that's suggests a chain of command that Mr. Manager is ultimately not the one in power. Son, you
1: need to double check the hours you're reporting cuz I'm a
0: manager.
1: <laughs> <sighs> Y'all here need to get your timesheet stamped, because that's the manager coming through. Yeah. It's the manager, Paul Wall.
0: It's me. It's the
1: Ca- Calling a 9 a.m. meeting.
0: <laughs>
1: for all of y'all.
0: It's the Iceman Paul. Or it's the Mr. Manager, Paul Wall. I have you, everyone here, uh, sitting on a conference call. There we go. Yeah. Thank you. Oh.
1: Welcome to And Introducing, a podcast about words, about music. I'm Chris Wade. And I'm Molly O'Brien. And introducing it's the boss, Rick Ross. From the port of Miami all the way to the penthouses of also Miami, today we'll be covering Ross's flair for self-promotion, Year for the Choicest Beats, and his number one tactic for beating a federal charge, all through his newly released book, Hurricanes, a memoir. Certainly, one of the more dramatically named uh, memoirs that we've covered in this series.
0: Truly, especially since it, he's not like referencing any hurricane yes. in particular. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a metaphor. Yeah,
1: it's, it's not to- it's not divided into a uh, uh, like a a series of stories all related around the specific hurricanes yeah. during his life in Miami.
0: No. Yeah, no, it's just a, I am excited for a very,
1: it. uh, uh, Miami focused story. It's
0: quite Miami. I don't think we've done a Miami book.
1: Uh, it, and it's honestly a long time too, because Miami is a centerpiece of music. Yes. Yes. It is. Uh, I, I, I would consider it one of the jewel cities just in terms of imagery.
0: Yes. The, uh, the, the clickbait of, um, how to, the number one way to beat a federal charge is to just have an amazing lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. So, that is- if anyone was really hoping for some kind of yeah, like hack. I was going s- to say we
1: were doing uh we were going to do some, uh, some legal hacks in this episode. Mm, well, yeah. What is this? A lab? Uh, <laughs> I don't know what that is? It's another, it's a legal podcast, <laughs> okay. Uh, involving a few people who, uh, from the other legal podcasts that they all got mad at each other and sp- split up and formed separate legal podcasts. Mm,
0: yeah, that sounds that sounds lawyerly. Yeah, uh, we were at a, a stand up comedy um show last night, which I, do, I don't necessarily recommend anyone do like regularly, it really stressed me out, but um. Uh, someone, wait, what was the joke? I've completely lost it. Someone made a, a legal joke.
1: Yes. Uh, well, I mean, this is a great comedian etiquette. Well, I don't look, we don't consider ourselves comedians. We're, sto- we're, no. we're story conveyors. Uh, and this is a story we heard that I can convey it, but I was going to say, uh, you know, not the best thing to just tell other stand ups jokes on our, on our show. But the joke was basically like, Hey, here's the best way to get out of a DUI. When the cop comes up to you, uh, punch him in the face. Because they're gonna charge you for assaulting an officer, but then they usually drop the lesser charge. So you will go to jail for two two years, but when you get out, your car insurance won't go to go up.
0: I thought that was a pretty decent joke.
1: Obviously he told it in a more like comedically structured way, but that's the gist eh, of it.
0: Yeah, that's bit, you know. What's what's performance anyway? Yeah, exactly. What's that got? Just to give do with me it? the
1: information. That's yeah. why you're listening to a podcast. You don't want perfectly structured stand-up jokes. You want somebody to uh convey some information to you while while riffing gently over it. Gentle riffs. And that's what we do here. Uh, Before we get started, I do want to have one piece of back business to cover, which is uh, that I feel extremely vindicated for uh, two weeks ago or two episodes ago on our bad songs episode, having a digression Mm. about, hey, what's going on with Panic at the Disco and talking (laughs) about their incredibly obnoxious two most recent singles, singles, uh, the first being High Hopes and then the second being a song, an even shittier song called Hey, Look, Ma, I Make It. I believe on that episode I said that I I even have maybe some of a soft spot for High Hopes, but the second even shittier single, Hey Look Ma, I Made It, makes the High Hopes even worse in comparison and putting them both in the context for contemporary worst songs ever. Yes. And now, less than a month later, uh, vindicated by High Hopes becoming a bit of a meme by the uh, obnoxious, corny, and overall dorky overuse of it by the Pete Buttigieg campaign.
0: Oh my God. I just, the only thing I have to say about that is that... uh, I feel like it's, A, it's just straight up corny, right? Yes. But I think he's, B, he's trying to evoke a time, like an Obama era time that was sort of like, remember when we all felt comfortable enough that like flash mobs were kind of like, like you know what I mean? Like he's trying to like reference this sort of golden age that never was. of like when we all just danced in unison, surprisingly. And, And had hope. Yeah. No, fuck that. Yes this this is not this is no time I mean it is a time for dancing, but not that kind yes
1: yeah. not that not not uh not the way chore- you're doing it yes, bro. Not, not badly choreographed dances. yeah anyway, but anyway. that's that's a little just a little feather in my cap for uh kind of calling the shot with the uh the high hope song being being bad yeah
0: um, nice cap you got there.
1: Well, thank you. It's got a lot of feathers in it. Uh, anyway, should <laughs> Looks we... Looks
0: like a damn peacock.
1: Uh, should we start talking about Rick Ross? Yeah,
0: let's talk about Rick Ross because this is going to be... So I read I read this book very quickly. You read this book like today. Yeah, like basically today I sort of crammed it. And when I cram books, they make me crazy. But this is... I, I think I completely underestimated this book probably because Rick Ross's imagery... This, we can talk a little bit about how we feel about Rick Ross now, but his like public imagery seems to be so generally unbothered to me just mm-hmm. because he's so wealthy yes. uh, like that. I guess I kind of forgot about all the like little mini news details that we'll get into over the course of the story. But I just always thought of him as like, I don't know, kind of chilling. And <laughs> it, and so that I, in my head, I'm like, well, wealthy means maybe doesn't have that much to say because a lot of the best, you know, we just talked about, uh, Patty Chimel, the drummer from Hole, who ends up literally broken on the street. And obviously that's an insane, compelling story. But uh, Rick Ross has some very compelling tales, some absolutely brutal ownage in this. Um, I can't wait to talk about it.
1: Okay, that's great. Well, let's go through our... our well, that's a little bit about what you knew about Rick Ross before.
0: Yeah, I knew. I know the big songs. Um, I, d- I never like delved into the catalog. I knew his public image. I think at one point I might have actually. Re- Did I write a review of uh, God Forgives? But I don't. That's like his fourth <laughs> or fifth album. Back when I was trying to be a, a music writer, which was a terrible idea. Um, but that. Yeah. That's, now, why be a
1: music writer when you can just be a music talker?
0: Yeah. It's so much better. I don't have to edit myself yes. as much.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, my my main experience of Rick Ross is on a college party playlist in which, you know, he's genuinely, you know, agreeable. Yeah. I guess I would have always thought of Rick Ross as, like, please don't hurt me, Rick Ross. Kind of a joke, <laughs> you know, yeah. in, in that his his public persona is of, like, just, like, so ostentatiously, like, successful drug dealer turned rapper. Yeah. Uh and, like, everything about him just, like, reinforces all those things to a kind of, like, jokey extent almost. Yes. Uh, he, he's, like, a caricature of his type in the rap world. Totally. It, it, to the extent that he's, like, also, like, literally figurative, literally a big man. Yes. You know? Uh, and so uh, the one song that was most regularly uh, bounced on our uh, college party play- playlist, which um, is the one I'm most familiar with him, is uh, this one.
2: Let's make this shit worthwhile. All I need is bacon soda, some hot champagne. Little eyes out of what I can chick at home say I'm no cool in
1: the fuck am I Which I mainly yeah. uh, enjoy for the the monster hook that uh, about uh making crash that uh, that starts the song.
0: yeah you know, this is from his first album, he said.
1: Uh, this is this is from Port of Miami.
0: Yes. Um, it would be like
1: 2006. Five six. Six? Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, I just, okay. love, I, I just, I, I have to get behind a song that starts with a recipe.
0: Yes. It's good. it's good to have lists. Yeah.
1: Good to have lists. Instructions. This is like the anarchist cookbook of songs. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, this song is very infectious and catchy, and I like hearing it a lot at parties. But this is about as deep as I got into the Ross discography, other than occasionally hearing him on other people's songs and being like, "Oh, hey, it's Rick Ross, the big drug dealer guy." Yeah,
0: he he kind of became an instant cliche. Yeah. with the, like what he was sort of presenting. Um, but he's it's, it's, it's layers. It's deeper than you would expect.
1: Yeah. So let's go to the uh, man behind the character. Okay. Tell me about.
0: Okay. okay. So we we begin hurricanes uh, in my favorite place in media res. Excellent. Uh, he is getting <laughs> d- d- arrested.
1: Uh, put a bingo chip down. Yep. Uh, Plop all, it on your and introducing bingos. So there's some good. There's some good chips in this. Um, he is
0: getting arrested by the feds. Uh, they have basic, there's like 20 federal agents who have swarmed his, uh, recording studio. That's a lot of federal agents. He's got his, one of his, the mothers of his children is there. A couple of kids are there. Like it's a house with a recording studio. And it's (laughs) okay. He's like, my videographer was there. Okay. Oh Um, God. He's got a full-time videographer. He started that by the way, please
1: don't implicate the videographer.
0: Well, yeah. Um, so, you know, doors get kicked down. People get, you know, swept up and taken away, uh, and he is accused. And he he also makes a little joke in the in the book that uh, the videographer was probably relieved to be getting a break <laughs> <laughs> because he had had him working until two in the morning. Oh God! Um, so he has been charged with assaulting one of his groundskeepers uh, and kidnapping him, oh, kidnapping no. him, and a, a you know assault with a deadly weapon, uh, pistol whipping him, and he. Shares Wait, all if, this up front. If you
1: pistol whip somebody, it's considered assault with a deadly weapon because the gun is a deadly weapon. And yes. It, 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 correct. As opposed if you like hit somebody with a baseball bat.
0: A uh, baseball bat. I don't know if, whether that counts legally. If you hit someone with like a rubber chicken, that would not be assault with a deadly weapon. <laughs> if you killed them with it, it still wouldn't be. It would just be like manslaughter or some shit. Sure. In my limited uh, knowledge of the law.
1: Oh, I like that technicality.
0: But yeah. So if you hit someone with a gun... Assault with a daily weapon. Uh, This is a charge that carries a life sentence, and uh, he is under house arrest, waiting for this to find out whether or not this actually happens. He's going to go to jail for the rest of his life. Yes. So then he winds it back. The second half of this book is so much more like richer and densely filled with wonderful details that I kind of want to speed through his childhood. Sure. Give it. Give me the highlights. So he was born January twenty eighth. He was born some year that I haven't written down. <laughs> Wait, hold on one second. Sorry. So he was born uh, William Leonard Roberts II, uh, born January 28th, 1976 uh, in Mississippi. His father was a computer programmer and his mother is a nurse. Interesting. Both college educated.
1: Very middle class.
0: Yep. Um, they were middle class uh, black homeowners. Kind of rare in Florida. Uh, in Mississippi. In, well, yeah, they, they moved to Florida when he was a, a baby. They were living in Carroll City, which is a, what, uh, Rick, I'm going to call him Ross throughout this. Okay. I, I alternated between Rick and Ross in the, <laughs> in the notes. Uh, what Ross called um, like a middle, basically kind of like a middle-class neighborhood in Miami. It wasn't as bad as other places. Sure. It wasn't as nice as some places. So kind of like, I would say somewhat rare for uh this situation in the South at this time. Um, he gives like a brief sketch of Miami in the like late seventies and early eighties, which is like Cubans are coming over in droves. Yes. There's like tension. Scarface is happening. Scarface is happening. Cocaine trade is blowing up. Um, there's a gigantic riot in 1980 when, uh, cops kill a black person, uh, cover it up and aren't charged for it. Wow. All kinds of crazy shit. Imagine. Um, and so he, he says that he it's not like cocaine and crack and the selling thereof were not present in his home in his family or in his like extended family this is not something that he was around personally but he had friends who had friends and then he was sort of introduced sure. to this lifestyle okay he was going yes
1: so is he <laughs> He, he kind of maybe almost uh, sought it out a little bit
0: yes well and he did because he, he had this friend Jabbar who ends up um, I believe going away to jail for a very long time eventually for drug crime I'm sure that this will, this is uh, the fate of a
1: lot of people a lot of we'll, people we'll, that we will meet in this story more
0: more people than I could possibly name and they all have names like short legs <laughs> or like big Mike <laughs> you know big yeah. Mike Yeah. Um, so he. he uh, ha- that
1: reminds me of. Uh, we were talking about this with uh, Mike Racine on a Chapo episode when mm. we were going through some book about Italian gangsters. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, gangsters love to give people nicknames, but yes. when you read enough of them, you realize how painfully unimaginative, like most <laughs> nicknames are, especially in the Italian mobs, it's, where it's like everybody's like, ears. We called him ears because he had big ears. Yes. <laughs> yes. Or
0: like little Frankie. I, he was short. He was a short guy. And his name was Frank. Yeah,
1: exactly. So, you know. Johnny the Nose uh, Giordano. He had a huge shoot Yeah. So <laughs> you look at look at literally the first per- thing that you see on the person, you're like, that's your name.
0: Yes, totally. Um, so he he's with his friend Jabbar. They spend time in a house called the Matchbox, uh, which is where he first kind of witnesses... Uh, cocaine and crack being packaged and sold
1: and they called it that of course because they were always uh, blasting matchbox 20 yes
0: definitely yeah. <laughs> um he he says the you know when he, the, he sees for the first time um crack wrapped in plastic it looked like a macadamia nut cookie <laughs> which i'm like yeah sure maybe, um, maybe
1: uh belying his uh middle class background <laughs> there being like la- being like ooh, sweet macadamia nuts
0: <laughs> um And so he he said that he ended up being attracted to this lifestyle because there was like an older guy who was more advanced in the trade uh, talking to the kids. And he said, "Uh, see, it's one thing to tell a couple of kids that selling drugs is wrong. But then when you show them what a million dollars looks like and have them count it for you, that message goes in one ear and out the other. (laughs) Can you imagine?
1: That's also a good way to uh, keep a a child occupied is just be like, here, count to a million. (laughs)
0: I just I I would imagine that growing up middle class and being like, I wish I had more money to like, you know, buy two short records, uh, and then seeing someone with like a duffel bag of like a million dollars mm-hmm. would just be like, I need to do whatever he's doing yes. instead of my mom who like has a graduate degree and just like
1: works at a hospital and wor- works and more work hours all the time. Th- that she wants in a hospital yes. to yes. get less than she wants. Yes.
0: Um he's also at this point, I feel like we need to maybe bring up the the other. His in dad's introducing... a computer pro-
1: a programmer. See, uh, this, this this is where that constant admonition of the by the uh, alt right of learn to program gets you. Yeah. When your kids to grow up to be dr- drug dealers, learn yeah. to program.
0: Well, the uh, he his father eventually he gets fired and like right before his pension is supposed to kick in, so like his father was totally fucked by the system too. <sighs> that sucks. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like even even well when you're off, well, yeah. Not really. Um... So he, but he, I have to bring up the other and introducing book that we have read about a rapper who starts out selling drugs, which is 50 Cent. Yes. Uh, And I think unlike 50 Cent, who basically gravitated toward rap af- long after being interested in selling drugs Yes, because he realized it was a different way to monetize himself. Yes, it was It was
1: basically a business decision.
0: Yeah, he was like, oh, here's another way to make the same or more amount of money and it's not, not illegal. illegal. Yes. So Rick Ross has been interested in hip hop like, since he was in like a third grade or something. He was actually like a musically inclined person.
1: Musically inclined, taught himself to rap. I mean, not to just spend this Rick Ross episode talking about 50 Cent, but literally like all are not. This
0: is not going to be the last time we talk about 50 Cent. <laughs> okay, great. Well, uh, I mean, <laughs> I
1: just like I I just love, I mean we we've talked about a, a few people who have been like this is was like purely a following music was like purely a career move yes for me but like in terms of like lateral move from like a just like sitting in your car being like I need to make more money yes I'll become a famous rapper yes like you gotta give it to Fifty Cent
0: yeah really if you can dream it you can do it yeah um so yeah he he he's interested in rapping he loves music he does really badly in school um he says (laughs) i just really like this detail he's like like i like he's like i I was trash in school do you know how badly i would have liked to learn spanish the prettiest girl in my school was puerto rican and i would have loved to be able to say some rico suave stuff to her (laughs) so he like the drive is there but like class obviously it
1: sucks and you know some people just aren't good at learning languages
0: it's true yeah it's not for everybody Sorry, sorry to that woman. Sorry sorry to, sorry sorry to, to this Ross. woman. Um, but he's also, he kills it at football. He was literally too large to play middle school football. He was too heavy. <laughs> the sorry. weight limit was like 150 and he was like over 200 pounds in Jesus. middle school. Like he was a big dude. Um, but once he gets to high school, he starts playing football. He's on defense. Um, he says that his uh, defensive block. He said, we were hitting so many pancake blocks. We became known throughout our conference as the IHOP boys,
1: <laughs> which coincidentally would have been a good name for a rap, grew, rap crew at the same <laughs> time around the same time.
0: Um, so like he, he gets letters from set like many D one and D two schools. Like he could have truly, I mean, I don't know if he w- was like NFL level, but he could have played some serious college ball um, he ends up going to a uh, school in Georgia because his mom is like, no, I don't want you to go to like you Miami or anything. Like I want you to go to an HBCU and he, the, the which
1: de- dedication to, uh, you know, the, their, their pride is, you know, upwardly mobile black people. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Don't, don't give the white people your energy. I was just
1: you? trying to look up some timelines because I knew that, uh, Dwayne, the rock Johnson also was
0: playing college ball,
1: playing college ball in Miami, uh, Dwayne Johnson is uh, about four years older than than Rick Ross, but you know, not that maybe not that different. Where uh, uh there was a a you Miami team that had both Rick Ross, Dude. R- Rick Ross, and Dwayne Johnson. Oh my on, god, like maybe if one year if one of them had redshirted, yeah, you, That would have been yeah. perfect. Damn it, <laughs> <laughs> that, that
0: that team is insane. But he's also he he was playing. College football, but he hated the classes and was like, he, "I can't do the college part of it." Mm-hmm. So he drops out and moves back home. Fine, yeah. Um, and then he fully like gets into the drug trade. He his job he he goes from kind of similar. Well, he doesn't to like
1: school learning. He's more of a hands on learner, yes. a manager type. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Yes. Well, that's the thing. So he's kind of a middle man. He's not cooking things, and he's not on the streets selling and them. Again, he is. He's not, delivering them.
1: Again, he is not the boss. He is the manager, Rick Ross. Yes,
0: the manager Rick Ross. So yeah, he he kind of graduates from like selling you know little like tiny amounts of drugs to people who just need it for the day to actually like. Kind of networking. He beca- he says the only way to really start making money is to get out of town. So he starts driving up and down I 95 all mm-hmm. through the South. Uh, he says like heroin is great money, but it creeps him out. So sure. he's more into the other stuff. Yeah. Um, I, look,
1: I, I respect that. Heroin, yeah. bad time. All the other stuff, you know, potentially a good time.
0: <laughs> um, he said it wasn't brain sur- surgery, but it did keep me busy. <laughs> but, but he's still. He, and he, there's a lot of explanation of like his associates in this book of like basically all men who have ended up either murdered or going to prison
1: for a long time. Sure, I
0: kind of couldn't keep track of it. Yeah,
1: because I didn't. This is the this is the Rick Ross's a uh, uh, up and coming associates are like the girlfriends in a rock star's memoir. Yes,
0: yes, hundred percent. Um, so then he he's still on the side trying to get his music career off the ground. He's rapping in a group called the Carol City Cartel um at one that's point That's the uh,
1: Triple C's. Triple C's. Okay, yeah, those are referenced a few times in his songs.
0: Yes. At one point he gets to freestyle for Shaq.
1: <laughs> oh, when Shaq is trying to have a rap career. Yes. Ooh, that's a uh, cool but kind of an ignominious beginning, Jim.
0: Yes. He said he he was he was very proud of it though. He said he was like uh-huh. he had a one line about like punching someone so hard they like fell out of their shoes that Shaq was like, "Oh, wow." <laughs> <laughs> this is great. <laughs> Um, but he's not, the, the music career does not pop off as much as the, uh, he's making way more money running drugs. Right. And he says, when it comes to music, I can say with confidence that I'm self-made, but as far as the dope game, I have to admit I was a beneficiary of nepotism. (laughs) So he, he like, he acknowledges that like, he's just part of this network, right? Right. Like he's part of these giant groups of people selling millions and millions of dollars worth of drugs. And he he wasn't carving anything out for he he's not he was,
1: he was not a drug entrepreneur he's not he, truly as I was joking earlier he wasn't a drug boss yes he was a drug manager yeah
0: he was he was a perfectly comfortable like
1: middle zone
0: so that when everyone started getting implicated he didn't go to jail <laughs> <laughs>
1: honestly if you know your lane well enough you you, you know yeah well middle low enough that it's not worth people flipping out flipping on you yes you know high high enough that you have some authority over people
0: yes yes um. So then, in the late '90s, that sort of dried up for him because there was a sort of post-war of drug war on drugs wave of like people getting arrested. Uh, he signs to a Houston record label called Suave House, uh, which is exciting for him. And Suave House founder Tony Draper bought Ross his first Rolex, and it wasn't in advance; it wasn't payment for what he was doing. It was just a gift. It was just a gift. Aww. And Ross says, he said, when I opened the box, I almost shed a tear. That bitch was mint. I consider myself to be a collector of timepieces. I got the Audemars Piguet that Arnold Schwarzenegger wore in Terminator 3. Dr. Dre once gave me a $100,000 Hublot, but none of those watches hold the same sentimental value. Aw,
1: I hope he still has that watch.
0: I, I hope he does, too. Um, but, so he signed to this label with this guy who buys him this watch, but he's not really prioritizing <laughs> there. is that he has Arnold
1: Schwarzenegger's watch from Terminator 3. Three. <laughs> what,
0: I'm just imagining him, like, in the theater just being like, damn.
1: That why watch. is Arnold Schwarzenegger wearing a watch, watch in Terminator 3? He's a Terminator. <laughs> and why is he wearing a nice watch? He's a machine. Wait. He's literally a robot with a clock in his head. I need to. Why did they put a watch on it? Wait. Yeah, I need yeah. to fact check Arnold Schwarzenegger watch Terminator three. Was there some like (laughs) time tie in? Yes. Yes. There is some kind of like fancy ass machine watch. Yes. That (laughs) is so funny.
0: Why does he need to wear a watch? Why would a
1: Terminator need to wear a watch?
0: A Terminator should always know what time it is.
1: You think you're a robot robots don't need to wear watches.
0: My goodness. So yeah, he's, so he's signed and he says he also says at at this point, like Miami music is not like happening the way he would like it to, which mm-hmm. is why he goes to Houston. Um he's not really getting paid attention to. His contract gets bought out by this guy who starts who has a label called Slip and Slide Records.
1: Good name for a rabel
0: And he's a this is a South Florida thing. Um so now he's on Slip and Slide. He still is languishing. He hasn't like re- really released any music yet. Yeah, he hasn't had to. He hasn't had his own album. He's ghostwriting for um, people like Trina, okay. uh, which tri- Trina's is awesome. Um, so he's written a couple of things for her. He has access to Kanye West pre car accident. Okay, he like spends a day in the studio with him. So he's like, well, aware Kanye's of just like producing when he's producing, and Kanye had just produced the beats for Jay Z's.
1: Blueprint? blueprint I believe yes
0: so like he's ac- he's accessing all of this stuff it's a, it's and he's like so a, it's close a, it's, a, it's
1: at arms arms length he can yeah. almost, he can almost grab it
0: he talks to um puff daddy you know what at he's doing time? right now What? hustling he's hustling oh 100% he talks to puff daddy that's so or funny P. Diddy the, or whatever the fuck his name the is the
1: hustling i you know in his music it yeah. is very much like the, the i feel like the 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 vibe is that the hustling was like the drug stuff, but no. the drug stuff was very much like day job. Yeah, it was clock clocking in, it, clocking in, clocking out. Just drive this, th- this shit up to Georgia, drive back. The hustling was getting the was music, music stuff going.
0: Yeah, where he didn't have the nepotism. It's
1: much more. Uh, it's weirdly much more pure than I thought that the yes. story was going to be.
0: I mean, he, he definitely he at least he says he can get into some trouble in the sort of drug world. Sure. Um, but not. Not to any extent that he's like getting arrested for stuff for the most part. Anyway, He's more or less keeping his nose clean. You're right. The hustling is uh, primarily in the musical space. At one point, he has access to Puff Daddy. He's talking to him because Puff is starting, um, I think he's starting Bad Boy or like some sort of Bad Boy offshoot.
1: But is he making the band at this point?
0: I don't know. This is pre-making the band as far as I'm aware.
1: Making the band like late aughts?
0: Mid aughts. Mid yeah, to like, late, like two thousand five, two thousand six. Yeah, so this yeah. is like pre.
1: This is slightly pre that this bad boys he's for rebu- life.
0: He's rebuilding after Big died, mm-hmm. and Puff is like, I'm not interested in what is essentially a Miami notorious Big, which mm-hmm. is what Rick Ross's vibe is. Is like a big guy with like a smooth voice. Like he's like, I can't do that. That's not interesting I, to me. I, I already had one of those. I already Thank had you. one of those, and he died, and I'll never recover. <laughs> Um, so yeah, he's he's hustling. And
1: I'm very sad about it, very publicly.
0: Um, he even he's up for a deal with Atlantic, and that falls through. And he says he's like a panic had started to set in. Like I'm fucked. Like mm-hmm. there nothing is happening for me. Um, and he's also like at this point he he's not he's focusing more on music, less on drug stuff. Like he basically doesn't have any connections anymore. So he's like he has a nice car that he's sleeping in. Oh God! <laughs> like he or like he. uh what else what has happened he was he's playing shows for like 250 dollars and then like he were, so he talks about this one this is this is well, a you know, low as one of my
1: friends from a um high school always said uh in he was always fascinated with very fancy cars and i was like that seems dec- decadent and absurd yeah you know why would you buy two hundred fifty thousand dollars car why? and he, he you know i just always remember him looking at me uh square in the eyes when i was in, during one of these conversations and saying chris You can sleep in your car, but you can't drive your house. Yeah, that's
0: and that's what Rick Ross did. Did you? Yes. So he talks about this one night. He has played a show for two hundred fifty dollars. He's with three of his associates it's they play a show in Fort Myers, Florida. Yes. Uh, they have to drive to Miami that night. They're all drunk and tired and he basically is like I don't want to waste this money on a motel room because this is my like yeah, I want to yeah, yeah. recoup this money. So he picks the guy who didn't perform of their posse and is like you are driving. Mm-hmm. He falls asleep at the wheel. They get in a huge accident, flip over a couple times. Jesus. Everyone is fine. They book they the cops come. Every like thank god nothing worse happened. The cops come run all their names and they arrest Rick Ross who has a warrant out for a domestic dispute charge that one of his, the mothers of his children put out on him at this point. That's low. Yeah. He's, he even puts in the book, he's like, I thought things were good with her. Like we just chatted last week. I can't believe she did <laughs> oh, that to God me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. By oh, the God. way, he's had two, ch- he's had two children at this point with two different women. With I'm two assuming. different women. Oh, okay. So like, once again, not really mentioning the, the yeah, women yeah. in his life, uh, whatever.
1: Yes, that that <laughs> fucking sucks to like flip over your car somewhere in the probably in the middle of the Everglades or some yeah, shit. Yeah, and the cops come and they're like, "God, are you guys all right? Okay, everybody looks like no injuries, no injuries. Anyway, you're coming with us about something completely unrelated to this. Yeah, got ah, got you on
0: the warrant. Um, so yeah, this is like that's why you I would call the fire beard. department if your car flips over.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there needs to be a nine one one that's for all the services other than cops. Yes, eight one one.
0: So this is this is when Rick Ross really starts to shine. Like this is when he it seems almost like something takes over in him. Like in something he, in the pros? In the in the pros and just in what he starts to like do with his life. Well, is this his first arrest? Um, he got arrested for weed possession a few like, years ago, okay. but other than that. This no. is his first like more serious thing? Yes. So he's he said like <laughs> I stopped I stopped rapping slipping I stopped repping slip and slide records and I started dissing them publicly, started Started calling them slip and slime records. Um, he breaks into the more like slip and slime. He breaks into the studio where he recorded some completely abandoned uh, music with slip and slide and steals all the equipment.
1: Hell yes. Wait, he doesn't steal his like master tapes. He just steals the equipment. He
0: steals the equipment and the label boss. He's like, for whatever reason, the label boss didn't send anyone to take it back. He's basically just like takes the L. He's (laughs) like, you know what? Honestly, yeah, I did this guy dirty. (laughs) 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 I should have paid more attention to you. (laughs) Um, You know what? You got me there.
1: Take, Take all our sequencers.
0: He starts doing diss tracks for absolutely anyone who moves or walks, he starts, he disses T.I. for uh, T.I. calling himself King of the South because he's like, I'm King of the South. (laughs) He disses um, various local radio personalities. (laughs) He disses DJ Khaled. So this is where DJ Khaled comes into the story. They are close personal relations and Mm -hmm. have worked with each other for many years. they came up
1: same area, same time, right? Same area, same time. DJ Khaled. I actually really don't know any of DJ Khaled's backstory.
0: DJ Khaled came from it like, DJing uh, high school dances in and then, Florida. And then
1: clubs in, in and then South Florida. And then clubs
0: in South Florida. And then having a radio show. I mean, that's Florida. what I
1: assume that it kind of I would have if you you had made me guess where DJ Khaled came from. But he really does did seem like he just emerged fully formed as like an internet personality. As a and meme. Like, it, as a meme in like yes. 2013 or something, yes. right?
0: He was a, a host on the Miami hip-hop station, 99 Jams. That's see, Jams with a
1: Z, baby. Uh, see, that's one of the, the funny things about like the hip-hop world is that you can be like late into the... Tw- you know, far into the 21st century and still make hay and get a name off of insulting people on the radio. Oh, yeah. You know, imagine like... But, like, an up-and-coming indie band mm-hmm. insulting, like, local Z1 or Hot 100 radio station DJs or yeah. something, everybody <laughs> would be like, who the fuck are you talking about?
0: No, they, they would be totally, like, ethered. Yeah, yeah. Because there's no, like, mixtape culture. There's nowhere to fall back yeah, on. Yeah. Like, if you're not on a major label, I feel like you would just be totally screwed.
1: Yeah, and a lot, a lot of people, talk, I don't know, people talk about, like, the decline of a... Oh, I don't know the relevancy of rock music or whatever, I, which I think is, is something to dispute. But one thing you can say is that there are daily morning radio shows all over the country just dis- talking about hot new releases in the hip hop world. Yes, and 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 people pay attention to them
0: and culturally relevant interviews. Yeah, like every, when, um, oh, who's who's that idiot who who squealed and all his friends. Uh, oh, to, to Kashi six, six, nine. Nine. Yeah. when he, when he squealed, everyone was, uh, pulling up these old breakfast club interviews yeah, with him. He was just like,
1: I'm the best, la- I'm the best rapper. <laughs> everyone's like, no, you're not. <laughs> uh, I'm the hottest rapper in New York. <laughs> yeah. You know, England seems to have uh, still a, a lot of that culture, but for some reason that just like totally disappeared. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I feel like it's the, all the rock radio stations moved to like morning zoo formats yes. where people were like doing prank calls to like local pets, pet stores and shit like that <laughs> instead of talking about obscure beef in the rock world. Yeah. And because hip hop had to be a little more close knit to even like get noticed. I feel like that culture persisted. That's, this is like total armchair theorizing on me. Yeah. You
0: know? And, and hip hop is at the end of the day, even if people group up, it's an individual thing yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. individuals can fight one-on-one and, and it's it more interesting. a lot more about
1: like the narrative. Yeah. Than the, the tunes. Yeah.
0: So anyway, yes, uh, Rick Ross is coming guns blazing. So DJ Khaled at this point, he's a prominent Miami and Florida based DJ. He's also, I, this now makes sense to me. He remember terror squad, fat Joe and yes. co they hired DJ Khaled as their DJ. Okay. At, sure. Like for like live shows. he was stuff. like the MC. And then that's how or, he no, kind of, he was of, the DJ. He was literally DJ. Yes. So that's how he like was put on yeah, in yeah. the world for real national relevance, um, <laughs> Rick Ross. So he goes to this club where DJ Khaled um, DJs on Saturday nights in Miami. And he says, yeah, everyone else like will send him drinks to get their songs played on the dance floor. And he's like, fuck that. Uh, I put out a diss track saying I had a stack for whoever brought me his terror squad chain. <laughs> Meaning that instead of just buttering up uh, one of the most prominent DJ, Florida yeah. DJs who could potentially make him, he's like, I will spend $1,000 on someone to try to rob him.
1: <laughs> well, if you want to get noticed, I man. mean, look, if your strategy is getting noticed, uh, that certainly st- stands out uh, more than sending, you know, that's DJ Khaled, the sixth rum and coke over the night. Or yeah. whatever.
0: <laughs> He's like, I'm full, bro. Like, <laughs> I'm working here. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> look how many flutes of champagne are lined up next to me. I'm hammered. Meanwhile, some, some guy tries to t- take his chain off of him. He's like, well, hey, now. Hey, who
0: sent who sent you? Yes. <laughs> Where's Rick Ross hiding? Yes. Um, but so he's getting more aggressive.
1: I also just like the idea of you know this whole of uh, the lighthearted fantasy of a whole community of uh, South Florida MCs and DJs basically playing like capture the flag with each other's chains just to get noticed by each other.
0: Yes, well, remember Fifty Cent was all about that. They, I think they got Jaw Rules chain at some point. Yes, it's truly like a. I feel like it's the equivalent of like you know, Dothrakis. like once they, you lose, like you cut off their ponytail. Yes, exactly. It's a, it's a masculine thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, pendulous. So he, he's a...
1: (laughs) All those pendulous chains. (laughs) All those
0: pendulous chains. He's, so he's getting more aggressive, but he says things really didn't start to turn around for him until his friend brought him to church. So he, it's, I wouldn't say this is a fully like religious redemption narrative, but he does, he's now a religious man, which I don't think I realized.
1: I would not have assumed at all based on his music.
0: Um, but the he truly he started going to church uh, because his friend would take him to Outback Steakhouse afterwards, and then yes. the bounties flowed henceforth. <laughs> so it's not long after he goes to church that he gets access uh, through Look, his old man, slip just, and slime. I, I was
1: just in it for the gift cards, <laughs> but you know, get that down onion found God.
0: Um, he he gets a call from the producer whose shit he stole. Uh, at Slip and Slime Records (laughs) saying I have a beat for you like can you come over and the beat was for Hustlin which apparently people had passed on already many people had passed on and he heard this and was like this is my shit I think he wrote Hustlin in like two hours the next night so this has been things that go crazy writes it in a very short amount of time puts it on wax Every day I'm hustling hustling, hustling, hustling,
2: hustling, 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 hustling. Every day well, I'm hustling. Every day I'm hustling. I'm trying to
1: imagine what it's like without the vocals. Every day
2: I'm hustling. Every day I'm every day I'm every day I'm hustling. Every day I'm hustling.
0: It came with him it came to him with the Hustlers and Oh it did? Yes. That's not his work. That's my understanding.
2: Every day I'm hustling, every day I'm every, every, every day I'm hustling. Who the fuck you think you fucking with? I'm the fucking boss. 75 white
1: on I mean this is it's like insanely iconic. I don't know how I other people pass on long. this. I mean that I fucking ear Rick Ross. Yeah.
2: Coming back. We keep on coming back. I'm in the distribution I'm like Atlantic I got the motherfucker flying across the Atlantic.
1: I mean props to landing uh Atlantic with Atlantic
2: yeah Yeah, the he'll be ain't pet we bought a whole thing see most of really still deal coke
1: yeah 15. uh yeah I mean this is such like a classic show you like running like. Perfectly classic, track, like mid aughts rap night, beat. Like the tone of those snares.
2: Yeah. The, every day I'm the, I'm the uh, yeah. the bomb
1: back Yeah. The epic droning uh uh, um, hustling, uh organs in the background.
2: We never steal cars,
1: the super we thin hard. snare. Yeah. Very real
2: hard. Whip it, whip it, real hard.
1: Like very I very, charge, uh, uh, I mean, it just feels like you know uh, um, another song that that sounds like this era that looks very clinically is um, "Hard Out Here for a pimp yes. which I feel like is you know, Three Six Mafia being tasked with recreating like a perfect version of, of that, that a beat. cinematic version of that, yeah, exactly, yes, and doing it well enough to win an Oscar, an Oscar, the Amazing. Oscar, the Oscar-winning rap group, yes.
0: So this. It's basically instant. It's not instant fame in that he was basically in trying to succeed as a rapper for a decade before this. Yes, but he so he records this. The next night he opens. He's opening for Trina at a show, and he plays it. And he says that immediately, people are singing the chorus back to him like it's a classic. Yes, because
1: it like it's like from the between the first time that when the chorus that hustling hustling comes in, and yeah. then when it comes back in, he yes. can hear the audience yeah. already yelling it back. Yes.
0: Instantly iconic. And then, so from there, he has the wheels grease with DJ
1: Khaled, who he, he put a bounty on his chain. <laughs> He's uh, like, oh, that, that guy who tried to rob me? I know his name. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the difference between all the guys who just sent up little drinks little, with notes. Little
0: Cosmos. Um, uh,
1: always threaten your... No, please don't. Please don't. <laughs> threaten, your, threaten, threaten your Always threaten your... Please, please do not. Don't
0: do that. Um, the, uh, so, DJ Khaled's back in the mix they give him the track. He freaks out. He plays it on his radio station. He plays it. He cuts it so that it lasts an hour. What? The first time he plays it on his radio station. He show, remixes it to be an hour He basically, hour long? like, he, he'll he restart the chorus over and over and over again. He'll play but it through and then immediately like run mi- it back. He like played mi- it an
1: hour straight. Like mix in other people singing to the Hustlin' yeah. Hustlin'?
0: Like he, he went apeshit.
1: Uh, I'm trying to see if I can find DJ Khaled hustlin' one hour. Hustlin' Megamix. <laughs> uh, this sounds like something that would be like one of those YouTube uh, videos, yeah. one hour. Hustle, uh,
0: yeah. Hustling to study and relax too.
1: Yeah. <laughs> every day I'm hustling to study and relax too. I, I, there's no way for me to figure out That's if this fine. is right or wrong. I just, I'm just going to keep scrolling through this and every time... It, pops up it's still it's still just hustling
0: yeah dj so dj coward plays it on his radio show um it immediately spreads virally you could say to other djs who hear it and are like this is amazing um rick ross hears that there's a dj at a club in miami that uh rick ross says it's a little uppity for my liking they didn't let you wear shorts there
1: (laughs) um look it's miami it's hot there it's true. And look, a lot of these clubs are, are put in like foam in the air and stuff. You got to keep your, your, your pant leg area clean.
0: <laughs> you got to keep your knees cool. Um, so a DJ at this club, this uppity club, uh, got fired for playing Hustlin' too many times. <laughs> Rick Ross hears this and he pays the dude back by hiring him as his official DJ. Oh, well, that's good. Solidarity. Yes. Kind of. <laughs> sort of. Uh,
1: So it, like Hustlin' is literally like drugs into the Miami music Uh. Explodes. See, it's like people are are addicted.
0: He says that um, at one point his manager made waterproof like signage, like billboards, and put it in the on like in the ocean. Mm-hmm. And he said you couldn't go scuba diving in Miami without seeing my face. <laughs> I don't know whether this is true or not. This seems like you would get an EPA violation, like
1: crazy. Maybe they have water billboard rights off the coast of That's Miami. That's
0: true. Listen, I've never been to Miami, so I don't know what shit is like out there. They might have. Underwater billboards in yes. scuba areas. Um, so now the, all the labels are going crazy, like they're interested. There's a bidding war. Uh, R- Rick Ross and his friends are, out, you know, going out to fabulous meals, eating lobster mac and cheese, like Ooh, I just for some lobster mac and cheese. Me
1: too. Mm, that sounds like, great.
0: Wined and dined. Uh, and the winners in the end is a uh, Jay Z. And def jam. So Jay Z basically meets up with him and is like, Let's do this. Like, um what kind of deal do you want? And he's like, I want seven figures. And Jay Z is like, Sure. (laughs) And he He, said He just got to get those two commas. And he said at the end of the day, he he kind of insinuate he's like, This is a relationship that preceded music. Do you know what I mean when I say this shit is deeper than rap? (laughs) I think it's because he's referring to Jay Z as also a businessman of a certain of a certain persuasion. persuasion. He gets it. Yes. Knows how to move product.
1: I mean, yeah, that makes sense. If uh, you're looking at people who understand your uh, background and your relationship.
0: I think it was, was it Jay-Z's line? Is He said, I sold kilos of Coke. I'm thinking I could sell CDs. <laughs> you, want, you want someone like that getting your music out there? Um, so he goes absolutely nuts recording Port of Miami, which is his debut album. He records 40 songs in 90 days, like trying to get the right mix. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, both the two songs that I've, uh, played so far are off. Well, then of let's let's
0: move to to Maybach Music, um, because I think is his next one. Okay, uh, Trilla is his next. Oh, Trilla, yeah, Trilla is the next album, and then Maybach Music is like his sort of signature thing.
1: Uh, well, why not? Let's just go with uh, you know, he, he, perhaps his his one of his titular tracks, uh, The Boss by yeah. T Pain.
2: To a smash. Got on the thus <laughs> far. <laughs> the biggest boss that seen thus far. I'm the, I'm the biggest boss that
1: you seen, thus far. The, boss that you seen thus far. the lyrics of the song imply the existence of a bigger boss <laughs> that we have not seen yet.
0: Baby, we Is Rick Ross the boss, baby? A
2: thug, well. Plastic, baby, cause shit happened. She leaped the back seat, just a freak in the magnum. popped out the magnum, popped in the trade. Just to let the top back and thank God for the day. Who gives a fuck what a hater gotta say? I made a couple million dollars last year dealing with that's still in the streets. That's not see, totally it, it, accurate. True.
1: Yeah, see, see that's the thing about it. The, the uh, I, it wasn't the image of year. his music.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: also important to note that this this era, which is like mid mid to late aughts, this is two thousand eight. Mid to late aughts was probably the last fashion of drug dealers rapping instead rather of than drug, drug users. consumers. Yes,
1: that's true. This is this is like the the, the twilight of this happening. Yeah. And he- you honestly weirdly can kinda of tell by the fact that one of the preeminent drug dealer rappers of that time was not really that big of a drug dealer.
2: Yeah.
1: It's very maximalist. Yeah. There's a lot going on here. Yeah.
0: But it's very he he talks about basically as soon as he blew up, he was finally getting access to ki- the kind of beats that he wanted. He's like, I have a very particular aesthetic and like I got I was getting expensive. Yeah. Produce music, and so it all kind of like connected.
1: He just yes. needed, he needed that one too. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot going on in this song. I mean, this is. A, I mean, Ross is interesting. Like, I think it was just counting. He, he's released something like like 11 albums in the last 13 years or something. He's incredibly prolific. Yes. Um, but like this, his style is like the style that has been. On the wane since the moment he hit a bit, basically. Yes. Uh, and I think he's maybe now just
0: reached kind of like elder statesman status yeah. in a way, like a like a legacy kind of guy. Yeah, like DJ Khaled. Even though like DJ Khaled and him are like the same age, I think I'll have to fact check that. Um, but yeah, expecting him to come out with like things that are very now like that is
1: so not yeah that is extremely exactly 2008
0: yeah let's see he's 43 at this moment and DJ Khaled is 43 yeah
1: exactly the same DJ
0: Khaled is (laughs) 5'7 you have got to be kidding me I I could stand in front of him and look him directly in the eyes I mean I'm wearing a a slight shoe I would
1: call him a short king but uh, short kings would eat pussy is
0: he (laughs) He's a short he's a short uh he's a short popper. He's a short popper. Uh he played he played himself with that he one. He did play himself with that he's one. 5-7 maybe he's, he just seems huge to me. <laughs> You know? Yes. He seems like he should be a perfect sphere. <laughs> <laughs> he probably
1: does come off like as a Rick perfect Ross sphere. Rick Ross
0: is like a big, a big like guy. Like big in all, in, in all, all ways. Directions. He, Rick Ross, just, this is apropos of absolutely nothing uh, other than several times he likes to call him, he refers to himself as a guy who smells good. <laughs> he wants to let you know. and you, Unfortunately, you can't smell him through the book.
1: Yes. He should have a scratch and sniff span, and be panel. Like,
0: this is about it.
1: That's very funny.
0: Yeah. Um, he wants you to know. So in 2008, News comes out that uh, Rick Ross used to be a corrections officer. Do you remember this news happening? No,
1: it did not. I it did not do. And I, this is also one of the few things that I remember about Rick Ross is him com- coming up, portraying himself as this you know drug dealer turned rapper outlaw, a, outlaw guy, and then coming up that he is a uh, a particularly vile sort of cop. Yes, uh, and everybody a being cop, like terrible cop, the worst. A, a terrible cop, the worst, and uh, everybody being like what a joker
0: yes and i was aware of this and that was definitely my attitude at Mm -hmm. the time of just being like what the fuck yeah um and then this is completely on me for not thinking just a literal one step ahead of what the actual explanation for this is and i'm not sure if he's ever explained it past outside of this book but his rationale is like he's like yes I was a corrections officer when I moved home from uh, dropping out of college. My mom said, you have to get a job. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, I can get this job and then I can network with
1: the criminals. The criminals.
0: (laughs) So he's he's like, it makes total sense. Like I knew guys in there like I'd be able to like talk to them, talk to other guys, like basically like make connections. Like, duh! Why did I? Why? <laughs> that's that's whiteness. I so guess he was is me cr- just being like. So oh. his justification
1: is that he was a crime mole in the Miami Corrections Department. Yes. <laughs> so he said alright I'll, I'll accept it I'll and he, accept it he was cross. a
0: correct uh, he was not on the main block he was in an area where basically old and sick prisoners would like get surgery and medical treatment and he would be like outside of their hospital rooms aka like that's what you do when you're in training sure. because none of those people are causing any problems right. in the yes. jail because they're incapacitated and he's like someday I'll make it to the main block and then I can start also like getting kickbacks for things let you know he said like so he was
1: he was uh uh, his real goal was uh to to quote Breaking Bad to not be a criminal officer but to be a criminal officer. officer.
0: Yes. So okay, there we have it. Funny. He did when when that news came out. He did double down and lie and say that wasn't me. And then it came out that yeah, it was. well that doesn't. He look said good. he panicked. Yeah. Like yeah. he was like this.
1: You know, I was yeah, paranoid. ruins his reputation. Yeah. yeah. Um.
0: So the record and is- also so
1: it's like when he was like twenty or something.
0: Yeah, he was like a literal baby and he did say you know he was annoyed that the blogs that were kind of stoking the
1: fire we all hated the blogs in 2008 right
0: there's the you know the arm like emoji the arm clasping meme it's like everyone we've ever read in these books is just like fuck the bloggers (laughs) except for ezra Koenig, who is one Is is a blogger um but he so he says that one night after an award show, DJ Vlad, who was a blogger who had been pouring gasoline on the fire, took a beating on behalf of everybody who had been out there throwing dirt on my name. He and his crew sent this dude to the fucking hospital. Oh Jesus! It was a three hundred thousand dollar settlement.
1: <sighs> Hospitalized for blogging. DJ DJ Vlad is up the, is up there in the. um <laughs> Up up there on the uh, in the, in the Saints row with all the Gawker bloggers of those who uh, <laughs> suffered for their crap, paid
0: the ultimate, <laughs> they paid the iron price. Yeah, yeah. Oh no. Um, and I mean, he's putting this this detail in there at this point of being like, just because I'm successful in music right now doesn't mean I've gone soft. Like I can, yes, I've got. He will still throw grand and get a chain.
1: Yeah, he's got the smoke. I was just looking this up just to co- confirm two two directions of things. This is a Gawker article from 2015. About the inciting incident in this book, the pistol whipping the gardener. Yes, that uh, in typical bar uh, uh, in typical Gawker style, uh, offhandedly dismisses. Uh, in, intros the article with yes. former corrections officer Rick Ross is back in jail after allegedly fighting an employee. Damn. Yeah. No. Well, it that's, really. That's, that's, it really followed him. Some blogging him. Gawker.
0: Yeah. So then another another thing from this time period is uh, a beef with Fifty Cent that bubbles up. Uh, who do you think started it
1: Ross probably 50 cent did oh really guy yeah. was felt, felt like Ross's uh, modus operandi was uh, just insulting people to get more famous he was
0: chilling once once he started succeeding I think he was like a little you know he's lounging in the in the Mayback. yes um so he so 50 cent pokes at him a little bit in a verse and Rick Ross hears this and he's annoyed and he's like do I address this like how does
1: Rick Ross poke at him
0: um, how does 50, does, fi- yeah,
1: 50, does he accuse him of not being a real drug dealer? Um,
0: he, I think at this point he is broken with fat Joe and, uh, Rick Ross has hung out with fat Joe and he, I think maybe 50 called them both fat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It was some body shaming, uh, body shaming. Fake I can exactly. You know, your
1: classic, your classic teen girl shit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Um, so Rick Ross is like, do I, do I hit back? do I just let it chill? And he's like, you know what? No, like 50 cent is, he keeps like ether. At this point, 50 cent is very good at beefing. Mm-hmm. And he says, if I, you know, cut the head off the snake, as he puts it, then we can like kind of lay this whole thing to rest. Like sure. I want to body this dude. So verses are exchanged back and forth. Um, you know, things sort of like escalate. And <laughs> Ross just like, he says, where I came from, getting shot was not something to be glorified. We were the n words doing the shooting. The <laughs> n words he came up with under in Queens. The uh the, he came up under in Queens. They were the type I was giving bricks to on consignment when I was eighteen. <laughs> Fifty would have been uh the n word I had filled who had filled my truck up with gas before I went out of town. He would have been buying me air fresheners. <laughs> this wasn't this wasn't a verse. Uh, like this is just see him
1: uh again. I'm I cannot say it enough. Rick the manager Ross. <laughs> <laughs> I would have reprimanded <laughs> him. him strongly. <laughs> I would have I would have uh, I would have, uh stro- I would have strongly uh opined to his regional manager on his quarterly evaluation.
0: Yes. Um so the these verses are being exchanged. 50 kind of escalates things. There are apparently video sketches that where like 50's wearing a wig <sighs> at 1.50 pays one of uh Rick Ross's baby mothers for a tell-all book to be written. Like, he is
1: petty. <laughs> he's, my, my man out here uh, getting into book publishing to, <laughs> <laughs> to, own <laughs> to own Rick Ross. And so
0: he's like, he's seeing this, he's seeing this. At one point, this uh, is probably 50, like, 50 unearths a sex tape from one of Rick Ross's other baby mamas.
1: See, this is also the, the idea that it would be a 50-cent video sketch. Yes. It belies this, like, very narrow area era yeah. where, like, to make that kind of thing, you would have to, like, create a sketch rather than just, like, Instagram living or, you know, Snapchatting insults back and forth. You would, like, to call it a video sketch is, like, basically calling it, like, a Nickelodeon of, of videoed rap beefs, yes. you know? yes. It's like you have to put your eyes up to a, 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 like a little canister on the boardwalk and turn a crank to watch this rap beef happen.
0: Ah. Um, so like that's happening. He unearths a sex tape from one of Rick Ross's other, other baby mamas, puts that out into the world. I also ends feel, up g- I also catching feel a lawsuit. like I remember
1: the uh, phrase Rick Ross sex tape and thinking, Oh no.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I feel like he could some nice production values to it. <laughs> I wouldn't hate it. Um, so like this is this is getting like dirty, like, yes. And uh, Rick Ross is like he he says in the book he's like I, someone gave me a dossier, like <laughs> someone someone basically gave me so much dirt on Facebook.
1: They're contracting Michael Steele out here.
0: Um, he's like I could your people offer or offering information for a fee. He's like but I wasn't going to spend money on that. Like at the end of the day. All of the stuff that 50 was doing wasn't making his music any better. So 50 Cent is, jar- he's stirring up attention for an album release. He's like, literally, he's like release. literally
1: creating a media, like a media business to just insult Rick Ross. Videos, publishing, yeah. music.
0: Yeah. Um, he, and Rick Ross is like the ultimate, you know, stake I have in this is I'm making better music than 50 Cent. Mm-hmm. And so like his 50 Cent's album release keeps getting pushed back. Like he kind of like flops basically. And then Rick Ross puts out a critically acclaimed album uh, and just sort of like completely ethers him. That's just the best is that he didn't even, he didn't have to get any of the dirt on him. He's Mm -hmm. just like, I'm going to let him kind of fall on his own sword. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's embarrassing. You got to know when to hold him. You got to know when to fold him. Yes. 50 and develop, uh, devoting your entire album release cycle to uh, aid, aiding a, or, or, or engaging in a one-sided war against Rick Ross is probably not helpful. He not picked how the fun. wrong. He picked the wrong guy.
0: Yeah. Um. This is apparently not even the the last time that Fifty Cent ends up doing like revenge porn, like leaking other people's sex dates. That guy, <sighs> that, honestly. I feel like I maybe I had some respect for him when we were talking about him in the podcast because I respect small business owners. Yes. But like he kind of he sucks. Yeah. I
1: mean, leaking leaking pornography about your enemies. It's it's never great unless your enemies are. I don't know. I don't even know.
0: Yeah, I think it's just a, no, a no-no. a You better have well, we some bars just talking to back about, it
1: up. We were just talking about uh, our praise for Gawker. So I, I don't know where to land on this. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I think the the... Main takeaway of Gawker is what happened after that is is not good. Yes. <laughs> um. Anyway, so he's really he's he's chill at this point. He starts his own label, Maybach Music Group. He wants to sign. <laughs> He's trying to look for people to sign. He's interested in Wiz Khalifa, who's an upstart at this point. This is in sure. 2011. He said, uh, Wiz Khalifa was ahead of the curve on social media. Meanwhile, I just found out what Twitter was a few months earlier when I was in Hawaii.
1: <laughs> I mean, Wiz Khalifa, Khalifa is all over social media. Yep. This is in 2011? 2011, which so is a little late to find out about Twitter. Deeper Than Rap, uh, Teflon Don. Uh, so he's he he he's been just like peeling out records.
0: Turning, turning it out. Yeah. Um, he signs Wale, he signs Meek Mill, um, a, young,
1: a young Meek, Meek Mill, Mill who, uh, who has yet to be unjustly jailed.
0: Un- yet to be unjustly jailed. He, Rick Ross does call Meek Mill out as someone who uh, is, he didn't have any money and is trying hard to at least look presentable. And he's like, you know when you wear a polo shirt so many times that the collar starts to curl under? <laughs> like that, that's what he was calling out Meek Mill for looking like when he first met him, which I think is a little unfair. Yeah, but. Whatever. Um, He releases God Forgives I Don't, which does the biggest numbers of his career. Do we want to pull something off that? What I would like to listen to is the Andre 3000 uh, song because he kind of pulls Andre out of like a semi-retirement for what I think ends up being a very strange song, but Uh,
1: cool. This is interesting because it's like the the whole album is kind of an inflection point because this is 2012 Mm -hmm. and it does have like Meek Mill and Mm -hmm. Drake. Uh, on it but also jay-z and dr dre yeah
0: he gets like the biggest guess uh, Yeah, of his this career. is like
1: picking up Dre, but I, I you know picking up drake and meek mill on the upswing all right this song is called 16 uh we might have to skip around a little bit because it is it's eight, eight minutes, minutes long. long uh it is a but um,
0: when you ask for an andre 3000 feature you get
1: what uh, you get <laughs> so here is a little bit of 16
2: This is special Extremely
1: special We were just talking before we started on this episode About what kind of hip-hop song could you get a Hollow uh, Notes uh, chorus on yes. It would sound exactly like this Yeah. I hope
0: so. When 16 ain't enough. It's funny
2: because it's been on my mind lately. When 16 ain't Having enough. Having a dope enough. beat, a dope idea. 16 bars ain't enough. How the fuck yeah. can I squeeze my whole life into a 16-bar verse? Art. You know, Art. So many it's different very levels. meta, you know? When 16 ain't a enough. Depicting what your wordplay. 16 ain't enough. Exactly what life means to you. 16 ain't enough. I know y'all gonna feel me on this one. Gotta feel me on this one. Huh. It's funny how things change, funny how time fly. More than my feet travel, the more that I feel fly. More that I make now, the more that the chick smile. She call me a local nigga, I opened the Swiss account. Eisenhower status at James on the desk Movies, John Coltrane cruising in the Cadillac huh, Seville, feel my life on the real
1: so I assume that the conceit of this is that he's just gonna—they're just gonna go for a long time. Longer,
0: longer than the 16 bars, yeah.
1: Cream, Eric Clapton.
0: This really does speak to how less expensive music sounds now. Yeah, like it sounds raw or hip-hop Yeah, like obviously more like raw, sometimes more emotional, and expensive. like this just sounds so. Double yes. We in every
2: hood, nigga. Government cheese, yachts and yacht masters. Old dirty bastard. Floor seat for the heat. Paper that I'm stacking. Better put away a penny for the rainy days. Pick and roll, give and go. Fuck
0: a We stick to the end, cause apparently he closes this with an Andre 3000 guitar solo. Okay. <laughs> this
1: is about a. Uh, six and a half minutes into this
2: does <laughs> your daddy think you perfect does he know for certain does he know how you act when you pull back all the curtains do he think I'm too far cause I'm black and put the worst in does he know thought I might have called a real merman yeah. yeah
1: nobody in hip hop double tracks their voice better than Andre 3000
2: yeah Andre does like a mic break it down for him Andre yeah uh-huh.
0: I I love it. <laughs> I can't insult anything that Andre 3000 does. I'm sorry. That's transcendent. I, d- I
1: do love when rappers play play guitar. It is good. Uh. <laughs> no, when when Andre 3000 raps, I swear he records himself. He double tracks himself and like somehow raps with like a micro harmony to himself. Yeah, over his own rap verses. You know what I'm talking about?
0: Yes, I do. It's, it's it very sounds, impressive. It sounds very good. Yes. Um. So that's that's that album. It, that's exactly how like he, indulgent and uh, yeah, he's like
1: going for the most.
0: Yeah. The so, yeah maximalist hundred mm-hmm. percent. Um. What else? Amid all of this. Bossness uh should be a career highlight he starts having seizures Oh really? Semi-regularly like some pretty intense ones which his doctor attributes uh, to his lifestyle okay such as um, not sleeping much uh drinking a cough syrup called Tuss tushinec- Tussinex <laughs> which have you heard of this Like
1: is it's the special brand of Robitussin only r- available to rappers
0: Like kind of he Rick Ross describes it as he's like, yeah, this is a cough syrup that's too strong to drink socially. Oh God! He's like, I, I never, it was never like an image thing. I never broadcast myself or was did this in videos. This was like private self medication. So he's not healthy. Yes, um, and he's it's also he's, a very large. He's a man. large man. Um, he has an insane night on his thirty seventh birthday which he describes as a wonderful party, he said we were popping bottles of Luc Belair, which is a uh, French sparkling wine that he's invested in. Okay, great. <laughs> popping bottles of Luc Belair, We were smoking big blunts. We were eating birthday cake. It was just one of those nights. Aw,
1: that sounds very nice.
0: It was very nice. And then his car was run down by four gunmen who shot at him and his girlfriend at the time. Holy shit. Uh, gets into a car accident. Well, who
1: has shooting a, uh, Shooting had him a beef against Rick Rocks at this point?
0: That's a great question, Chris, and I'm glad that you asked (laughs) because he doesn't share who it is. Um, And he says, and he even says, that wasn't even the first time people tried to kill him that year. Oh, God. So he's apparently had his life twice Uh, in 2012, uh, someone trying to take his life. And he says, I have no idea who tried to take my life, but if I had to bet, I bet you every shooter in the hit squad is as dead as a doornail and he ends the chapter that way.
1: <laughs> so in his memoir, yes. he ac- recounts getting multiple assassination attempts. Yes,
0: correct. One, and one then, of which was covered because it ended in a car accident that I think was logged by the police, police. And then one that was not covered by the press.
1: Because he did not report it. No. And then ends it by basically saying there, I had them killed.
0: Yes. He said, I don't know who tried to kill me, but they're definitely dead now. Okay, great. Um, once again, just invoking the, the sort of specter of the, what he's capable of. Yes.
1: Well, you know what? I, I have to say, uh, you know, we were talking about Patty Schemmel's writing, Mm -hmm. uh, two, two figures. Uh, it's, uh, interesting to compare back to back. Sure. Uh, but, we were talking about the the kind of quality of subtlety and and li- li- leaving the audience to infer certain things yes. in her writing. And I have to say, among the male writers that we have covered, that it sounds like he ha- is the most who approximates that ki- that kind of like literary. Like, I, here are two sentences that create meaning outside of them together. Yes, you know,
0: totally. It, yeah, it's it was quite clever. He also invokes like his favorite psalm, which is the only time he quotes scriptures right before he <laughs> talks about these people who, who he doesn't know who tried to kill him. But but he
1: would guess are dead by now.
0: Yes, they've been taken care of. Um, okay, so at this point in the early teens, he is taking a moment in the book to sort of indulge, uh, just talking about uh, the what success has really brought him in his life. He buys. Uh, Evander Holyfield's mansion in Miami for okay. five point eight million dollars. Okay, Holyfield went bank like he went broke and had. So he to probably sell got it. a good deal on it. So he said it was a steal. <laughs> um,
1: I love to get a good deal on a mansion.
0: Yes. So he like he's truly like he's the harvest has come. The harvest is being sowed. Or yes. Reaped? No. Reap. He sowed it and now he's reaped it. Now he's reaping. Um, he also is talking a little bit about non uh, musical businesses, business proceedings, which is uh,
1: obviously French wine,
0: French wine. The Luke, the Luke Belair, which is the as, as he says, it's the top selling French sparkling wine in America. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know how many kinds I'm just imagining, there are here, but congratulations. I'm just
1: imagining Rick Ross spending a lot of time in 2012 being like, it's not a champagne Champagne is only grown in the Champagne region of France. Yeah. It is a French sparkling wine and it is the number 1 non-Champagne French sparkling <laughs> wine sold in the Americas. Also yes. at this point Molly, I would implore you to look up the deluxe edition cover to God Forgives I Don't.
0: Okay. Doing that now. And then I'll describe it. Oh yeah. Wait. N- where he's like like standing with his arms spread. Yes,
1: it is uh, appears to be the inside of a golden church yes. where a golden Rick Ross with i would say no less than a dozen chains around his neck stands uh in a beatific posture arms open pont, pont pon- pontiff like yeah uh under a sil- over a silhouette of what appears to also be Rick Ross standing between the pews of the same church
0: this is very good yeah i like this very much yeah it's very my life is a movie
1: it is very my- much my life is a movie yeah i'm into it it would be a good college dorm room poster
0: yes Oh hell yeah, way way cooler than that Pink Floyd one with all the backs with all the butts, and yeah, butts. yeah. Back catalog,
1: back catalog. <laughs> Molly recently looked up, and that is the official name of that image. Yeah,
0: sorry, I don't mean to curse anyone with thinking about <laughs> with that poster. Sorry. <laughs> um, he so he, t- he talks about his his non non other other things besides the French sparkling wine. He says any company I was going to partner with had to be a business that I loved personally. Wingstop fit the bill. Wingstop How many Wingstops do you think that Rick Ross owns right now? 60 25 <sighs> 60 would be very impressive. He he owned 9 as of the publication of the book and now apparently he owns 25. So he's increased his holdings.
1: Does he no- own any in New York?
0: Um not clear. Uh, I
1: would like to go to Rick Ross's a uh, Wingstop.
0: Um un- unsure. So he he's investing in Wingstop. He's, he's got non-musical businesses, yes. which is, it's very important to diversify Versify your, your portfolio. portfolio. Absolutely. Um, so he's, this is, and he's, once again, he's learning from the Jay-Z playbook of Jay-Z investing in his own, uh, uh, wines and spirits it, after that racist, um, what's the thing? The popping bottles of what did people used to, Cristal. The, the guy who started Cristal is like, uh, was very annoyed that hip hopers, <laughs> like to drink it, and then everyone was like, "Fuck you!" <laughs> We're starting our own French sparkling Three wine, wine label. Distribution, yes, yes. Um, he also takes the opportunity to talk about the losses that he's experienced in the business world, such as an endorsement deal for Reebok that fell through after a lyric. Do you remember this? No. A lyric about dosing a girl with Molly without her knowledge Ooh. Uh, in a song that had come out a couple of years. Well, before. don't
1: don't do that, Rick Ross.
0: Don't do that. Don't ever. Don't drug people. It's not nice. But he says... He, so he brings all this stuff up. Uh, uh, the idea of having a sort of unsavory... Unsavory lyrics that can ruin your business. Skills. Right. And he says, let's be real for a second. This is Ricky Rosé. You came here to... You came here to hear some real gangsta shit, right? If you're going to get up in arms over every foul lyric, you might want to consider a different genre.
1: Well, it is true that he also raps about dealing drugs and and murdering people, so...
0: It is... if Yeah, if you're going to... I think while well, we can agree that it is wrong to un- unknowingly yes. drug a woman. To roofie people, or yes. Or anybody, d- any gender. If you are getting an endorsement deal from Reebok, perhaps they should have cast a wider net yes. of someone, maybe like an Ed Sheeran or something.
1: Yeah, and I, I get to his greater his greater point of like, kind of gesturing broadly over the scope of his lyrics and being like, you came to me for this, and then you found one of them, and you're like, no, 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 we can't no, do no, that. No, no, no,
0: shut it down. I mean, if you think about it, any company I was going to partner with had to be a business that I love personally, right. which is why he vibes Wingstop. Right. Reebok, any, any artist they have to pick has to be one that they vibe with personally. So are you just using him for his image, and then sure. the minute someone gets upset, then you bail? Yes, I think it's good business practice to really holistically view the brand that you're trying to partner with.
1: Yeah, you know, he's applying his own business practices to what they were doing. Yes, yeah,
0: hundred um, percent. He, in the same manner of reaping what he sows, he's he's saying, "I got to clean up my health." Uh, he loses almost a hundred pounds. Good for Shout you! Out to all the pair.
1: Shout out to all the pair. Can you bring up bring up what that is? Uh, this was.
0: A, I'm trying to remember what the interview was but someone was asking Rick Ross on camera um, what was the source of his fantastic weight loss, and he said, you know, like, I've been eating... I
2: eat pears now and shit like that. Shout out to all the pear. <laughs>
0: That's so shout wonderful. Out,
1: shout out to all the pear.
0: So he, he's eating fresh fruits. He um, He's also exercising. He got into CrossFit, which he redubbed, Ross fit
1: <laughs> it's uh, congrats to Rick Ross for losing a hundred pounds. It's very hard for me to imagine Rick Ross doing CrossFit. Huh. I guess he likes flipping those tires around. He's I want to flip those tires.
0: Oh, I know you want to flip those tires. We'll I get you some those tires. tires so bad. Yeah.
1: Someday I'll have to, some tires of my own to flip.
0: Yeah. We, we don't have enough room here. Not put, n- Not in this studio yet. apartment to flip some tires. Yeah. Um, Eventually he, another, kind of rare and introducing bingo chip. He drinks beet juice. He hires a personal chef and she makes him fresh juices like beet juice which he says it was so good I thought it was hawaiian punch. Oh. Which beet juice famously uh uh Earthwind and Fire band leader Maurice R- White, right? White. White, sorry. Maurice White uh is a big uh, uh yes, evangelist for beet juice. Beet juice care juice.
1: Yeah, that he would drink on tours. Yeah. Yes. Beet juice
0: is very good for you. Um and he even does a shout out to all the pear reference because this leads into the the sort of crowning uh, event of the book. He's driving to a plant nursery with his personal chef because they are going to check out some plants to possibly purchase for his own Rick Ross farm, including an Asian pear tree.
1: So this, I see where this is going.
0: He's driving on his way there, and he gets pulled over by a cop and given the full like racist white cop business. Uh, it escalates from like. <laughs> Your windows are too tinted. I can smell marijuana. That means I get a search. I searched. I found marijuana, even though it wasn't smellable. It was like three joints in a baggie in a glove compartment. There's no way you would smell that. To I'm booking and found a gun, Mm -hmm. which is registered to him. He's a legal gun also, He
1: had been attempted to be murdered by guns very recently. Yes.
0: So this white this w- one white one cop- time
1: that it might be re- that you know usually I I have I have come down on like if you are a famous rapper don't have the gun you on your, your person. Don't have your own gun. Yeah, don't have the gun on your person. But if people are literally shooting at you v- recently. Yes. You know, I get it.
0: Yeah, 100%. Um so he gets he gets pulled over, he gets booked. It goes from, you know, a completely bogus reason to pull him over to like oh, escalating. It
1: fucking sucks. Just like imagining the fucking cop pulling you over Pulling Rick Ross over, and he- the conversation being like, "Hey, where are you heading?" And I'm like, "I'm going to the botany to buy a <laughs> pear plant with my, with my personal, personal chef, chef who
0: has helped me lo- lose a hundred pounds, pounds through the power of fruits and vegetables."
1: And then the cop being fu- like, "Fucking like, yeah, I smell weed in the car," yeah. and like, "What a
0: fucking asshole." So, and but you might be wondering what like. Why did he really get pulled over in the first place? He's driving, I think, a BMW. Mm-hmm. Not not one of his like hella nice cars, but a nice car. Why is he getting pulled over anyway? Well, they take. This is where things are going to get a little true crimey. So I'm sorry, I'm so tired. I'm just so tired today. <laughs> I'm a woman. Crime. We're <laughs> talking about true crime. Oh, yeah. it's Aww. so murder. I'm just so tired. Anyway, uh, they book him. They take the evidence in. They test the gun for uh shit that is on the gun. They find the blood of the gate the um gar or the groundskeeper, sure, so this is at this point, Rick Ross didn't realize what, and then two weeks later he gets the visit from the feds okay, so this was a precursor, this was basically a bullshit way to secure evidence for a charge that was filed by those uh groundskeeping men
1: so why did he fucking hit the groundskeeper with his gun?
0: great question, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> so rick ross this is the this is the most true crime episode this is very true crimey and i'm like kind of sorry i wish i could sort of breeze past this but it does seem somewhat relevant to kind of i mean it was
1: it was the the cold open
0: it it was the cold open and the reason he is the most trouble he's ever been in Mm -hmm. he's done a lot of bad stuff um so his explanation is that he hired he hired some guys to hire some guys to hire some guys to uh grounds keep his Holyfield mansion.
1: Yeah. With the, the, the Ross farm that he's the Ross farm.
0: Um, he, these two guys, then one of his, one of Rick Ross's friends calls Rick and says, yo, I went over to your place and the guys that were hired to work here are not working right now. And there's a car that I don't recognize in the driveway. Rick Ross drops everything he's doing, goes over to the house. he, like clocks the car, goes into a room, like a locked room with smoke, non-marijuana smoke coming out of it. And it's like, what the fuck is going on? He has a gun on him because as we've said before, (laughs) he has multiple multiple threats on his life. life. Yes. Uh, he goes in, he sees like a topless woman and a guy and he like basically swings his gun. And in his explanation, it's more or less the pistol whipping is more or less a sort of animal, uh, instinct of like, who the fuck are these people? I need to like clock whoever is near me. And it turned out to be one of the groundskeeping guys. Then he kind of realized what was happening and was like, oh shit, like everyone get out, everyone get the fuck out of my house. There were like six people in there. And he, he said there was no like extended beat down, which is what was testified by the groundskeeper. The groundskeeper said that he got his ass thoroughly kicked by Rick Ross, pistol whipped multiple times, uh, held against his will, like moved from one room to another. That's where the kidnapping kidnapping, stuff comes in. Okay. So like that's his side of the story. Rick Ross's side of the story is like I hit him
1: once. I, there were a bunch of people in my, there were a bunch it's of people what in I my do. house.
0: There's a bunch of strangers in my house. It they was were dark. a place
1: that they weren't supposed to be. I opened a door. I saw some people. I acted oh, almost in, arguably in self, in self defense, defense, defense or at least in
0: defense. In, of in home. like
1: instinctual defense, whatever. Yeah. He like, cat castle doctrine. Who, you, who, yes. In, you know, if he was a white man, he could probably could have shot all those people and gotten, gotten away with it. hundred uh, percent all right. I mean, two sides to it. Two I'm not going to say
0: Who like at the end of the day, the only people who really know what happened were there.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> between and between two of them, one is a groundskeeper and one has an album called God forgives. I don't. <laughs> so <laughs> well, there's the math. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, so that, that's the case. So, but still Rick Ross is just like, fuck. I like, I could still go to jail for life if I get the wrong judge, mm-hmm. the wrong jury. Like I'm still a black man who's been arrested for a violent crime, a
1: known public drug dealer,
0: a known public drug dealer who it seems like this cop was basically just like thirsting to yeah, get yeah. me. Um, or
1: there was like some kind of cop conspiracy. Right. Exactly. Or, yeah. Um, a prosecutorial conspiracy.
0: Yes. So he hires a very, very expensive, very good lawyer they go to trial and the he even the, like it,
1: this is the one weird trick for uh for beating a federal charge
0: yes get get a good lawyer what the
1: federal charge was the kidnapping
0: the federal charge was the kidnapping it was which,
1: and which is the federal charge of an allegation of pulling a guy from one room of your house to another
0: yes i mean it, it it's not dissimilar to the O.J. Simpson thing that happened where he and his associates were trying to get some memorabilia back from that guy. And blocked them in blocked the room. Blocked them in the room and said no one gets out. Allegedly said no one gets out until I get, I get my, memor- my shit yeah. back. That's kidnapping to the law. This is the most we ever talked about. like Legal, legal stuff? Legal stuff on this. It's kind of weird. Um, anyway, <laughs> I'm going to read a little bit of... Just, he basically puts like a transcript of his lawyer interrogating the cop. Mm-hmm. And I just think this is so tasty. Sure. Um, so he's, he's talking about the marijuana smell. They're basically, they're trying to backtrack and be like, the way they got this evidence is bullshit. Sure. This, uh, you're going to have to answer for that.
1: That it was basically an awful, unlawful search and seizure. Unlawful That search. led to the arrest. The arrest is faulty. The yep. charges are are faulty. Yeah. So even
0: like if he did it, if, if yep. they can't prove that in the correct way, he can be out. Um so they're talking about the the marijuana smell and the guy's saying uh uh did you smell raw marijuana or burnt marijuana?
1: <laughs> Good question.
0: Uh cop responds I smelled green unburned marijuana in the vehicle. Uh so that would be raw marijuana, correct. Uh which is uh, blah 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 uh you were able to smell raw marijuana from the moment that the front driver's window was opened? Yes. This raw marijuana ultimately being in a plastic bag in five joints on the floorboard of the passenger side, correct? Yes. And that's why I'd like to bring in the sack and the marijuana cigarettes to see, for purpose of the record, to allow the court to deem whether it can smell raw marijuana. <laughs> uh, that would be hard to determine if you're dealing with marijuana that's two years old, trying to smell it out of a bag in a different area. Yes, well, that will be up to the judge to decide whether he wants to do it. And then so they're like going back and of forth over like- how much marijuana can you smell? Um, <laughs> And then he said, okay, well, Mr. Roberts, uh, Rick Ross, he told you that he had smoked marijuana earlier in the day, right? Yes. Did you smell it on him? Not that I noted. All right, so the man that told you he'd smoked marijuana earlier in the day, you didn't smell anything on him at all, but you could smell the raw marijuana from the floorboard of the vehicle? Is that correct? <laughs>
1: it's a good, good lawyer. That's a good lawyer. Yeah.
0: Like, it's, I, and he did a good enough job that he proved that the case was... Unfounded, mm-hmm. and managed to get him a plea deal where if he pleaded no contest, he would get five years of probation, no jail. Still,
1: prob a lot, but impressive.
0: And I mean, two two guys did get their their asses. There was a different altercation with a different guy, and that was to not Ross's being prosecuted. Bodyguards. Okay, so, that wasn't yeah.
1: So two people did get beat up in this incident.
0: Yes, not great. Not great, especially you know employees. Employees, yes, low level employees, yes. Complicated shit, but anyway. Um, the other thing I would like to know is that although Rick Ross, uh, apparently hit his low level employee with a gun on the way out of jail when he was booked for the original marijuana and gun charge, he was like, yeah, I was like chopping it up with a couple of guys in there and I paid their bail on the way out.
1: Well, I mean, that is a, a form of solidarity. Even if you're there for beating up your employee, <laughs>
0: he's like so close. Like he, 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 he seems to have a very innate sense, almost like a mafia like sense of like mm-hmm. loyalty Sure. Pay, like, paying people back being, you know, honorable, even though sometimes that <laughs> appears to go awry. Yes. Uh, okay. So, like, that's kind of the climax of the book. Is it's like explaining the... the being the charge. Yeah, yeah. Um, incredibly, he, he meets Obama during this time <laughs> when he's under house arrest, has a house arrest anklet on, and Obama is meeting a bunch of black celebrities about criminal justice. Okay. And... In the middle of the meeting, there, there's like a low battery situation where <laughs> Rick Ross's ankle monitor starts like beeping. Oh, no. And people like Secret Service are starting to look at this guy being like, what's going on? And Obama is finally the one who says, what's that beeping noise? <laughs> and Rick Ross is like, I'm sorry. It's my ankle monitor. And uh, he, Obama makes a joke like, oh, good. I thought like some someone in the place was going to blow. And that's all. That's,
1: that's all, all. That, that that incident went to?
0: Rick Ross... Uh, also noted that Obama was talking about all these plans that he had for how he was going to like really further stuff like criminal justice for African Americans mm-hmm. after his presidency.
1: Oh, really? And isn't
0: that so? Oh, nice? I, I he
1: probably did, he's been doing so much work to get those plans done. Ha- I know, hasn't he? Yeah,
0: it's amazing Just how much a, a lot he's gotten of
1: done. work to further,
0: yeah, criminal the justice cause. reform. Yep. <sighs> Uh, anyway somewhere along the way i'd also just like to note that what, rick we, ross had a f- a fourth child a son he named billion billion
1: Billion ross
0: billion ross or billion no maybe it's billion, billion Leonard, uh, uh, right roberts billion billion roberts. roberts the last thing i'd like to know is he's kind of he's talking about he closes the book you know all the all the typical things like why am i still here like uh, what, what hurricane, what storms will I still have to weather? Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And I just like that he gets this dig at the end. He's like, he's kind of doing this like, why me thing. He's like, tell me something. 50 Cent has sold more than 30 million records. How is it that why he is, while he is filing for bankruptcy and selling Mike Tyson's old mansion for peanuts, I was galloping on one of my four horses across the former Holyfield estate. Do you have any idea how much it costs to take care of four
1: horses? It costs a tremendous amount of money. I mean, he is a king. I can't believe it. He is a king at securing a bag.
0: He's a... I just put put this image in your head. And if he's put this in a video before, then I'm sorry that I don't already know this. Picture Rick Ross wearing like maybe a, like some nice like Versace silk pajamas.
1: With many, many tra- uh, chains. Many, many
0: chains. And he's just taking one of his four horses for a trot. Across his estate, just enjoying the warm, maybe like a warm early spring Florida day. Just think about that.
1: I, you know what? I love thinking about it. I love thinking about it, and I love uh, hearing about it. I love feeling about it.
0: He goes home, pours himself, or gets a probably poured for him a glass of a big glass of beet juice, and eats maybe like a, a sliced fruit plate. Smokes a blunt. Maybe listens to some new beats uh you can, who can do, in fact can do better than that you
1: can in fact watch videos of you on YouTube of Rick Ross riding horses
0: will will you send them to me?
1: yes <laughs> for after this is this is Rick <laughs> this is a a a viceland video of Rick Ross and two chains on a polo field great great you know i I feel like in the in the odds you know the 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 rap on Rick Ross uh was that. He rapped about being this bad badass drug dealer, but really wasn't, and was a corrections officer, and Mm -hmm. he was like basically a poser about it. But I think that the way that he's coloring this, and again, we're reading the the propaganda of of the Ross, uh, trying to sell this to him. But if if we are to believe him, uh, then it is that he, you know, that that his real serious work was always in the in the music. Yes, and the the drug dealing was was a means to an end, but it was the subject matter that he understood to be uh, you know popular making. Yes, totally.
0: Yes, yes. Um, I don't
1: know how do you how do you feel about Rick Ross after reading this?
0: I I mean this was this also this book was just better than I expected it to be. It was funnier. It was like you tighter. were
1: I was listening to you reading it over all afternoon, and you were cracking up on almost every page.
0: Yeah, the, he is. It, I don't know. He's got a certain zest that I appreciate. And he definitely does come off somewhat petty. He's he, he's not afraid to to wreck you, basically. Mm-hmm. But I I'm leaving with a better taste in my mouth than I think I did with Fifty Cents book.
1: Well, it seems like he's more strategic about his pettiness. Yeah. He he knows when to he knows when to hold him. He knows when to fold him.
0: He's yeah, you gotta save save your energy for when it, it really matters. And
1: when it matters is your business, is yes. when you're investing in French sparkling wines. Yeah. I would like to see a, a true list of Rick Ross's holdings.
0: Me too. Um I also, I've never, I've never been to a wing stop, but now I kind of want to go. Yes. There are He's several kind of wing stops wing stop. in New
1: York Great. that we should go to. Okay. Maybe.
0: His choice is the Lemon Pepper Wings uh, All Flats, he says. All Flats? Which is unique. I feel like a lot of people do drums, mm-hmm. but I also prefer flats. So that's something that Rick Ross and I have in common.
1: I, they seem like more work. You can order all flats at a Wingstop. We got to go to a wing, I mean so. if
0: anyone can order all flats at a Wingstop. It's, it's, it's Rick Ross. <laughs> the boss. The boss
1: of the Wingstop.
0: Of the Wingstop. Rick Ross. He's a fr- he's a franchiser, you
1: know. You know there is a Wingstop very close to where the new Chapo offices will be. Great. Uh we can go there. It's r- right it's honestly 2 blocks away from the iHop we went to the other day Amazing. in downtown Brooklyn. We will go to Wingstop sometime very soon yes. and report back on uh we'll have to get uh Rick Ross's order and and report back to the show.
0: Take me to in the ho- hosier. Take me to Wingstop. <laughs> Please take me to Wingstop.
1: All right. Well, I think that that about covers it on Rick Ross today. Whew, baby, good story. I, I enjoyed the true crime segment of this yeah. episode. I was uh, I found it uh, quite gripping.
0: I mean. I think maybe it's because he did win that he was, he let the detail show. I imagine if anyone has any, you know, pending charges when they're writing a book, they're perhaps not allowed to get into Keep it such, close to the vest, such forensic detail. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I appreciated that. Uh,
1: well let's move confidently then. Let's say uh, goodbye. Good night to the, to the, bra- Ricky the, Rose, Ricky Rose, uh, and move confidently into the end of the episode. Um, no real new business to go over. Uh, no new uh, mail, uh, sadly. Sad. But uh, So maybe you can alleviate that by uh, sending us an email at andintroducingpod at gmail.com. We love to he- get them. We love to read them. And we love to respond to them. Please uh, give us give us some notes. Yes. Uh, or follow us on Twitter at andintropod. And our SoundCloud is, as always, at soundcloud.com slash intro- Dash. pod. And remember to subscribe to us on iTunes. And please, while you're there, rate and review us too. I guess that helps us. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that doesn't even matter anymore. Just shout us out on Twitter. Shout tell out a out friend. To all the pair. Shout out to all the pair. Shout out to all the pod. Shout oh, out all no. the pod. All there. Oh no. Uh, yeah. No. As always, uh, tell tell a friend IRL uh, yeah. that this show is good and fun, and you love to hear it. You do. And until then, we'll be back in another two weeks. Ooh, we've got a very special uh, episode uh, coming up next. Oh yeah, uh, with some uh, going back to it to the the well of real life musicians. Real coming up to uh, talk to us about one of their favorite musicians. So I think that that should be a good app. We can get uh, into the nitty gritty of what makes a, what makes a song. Do good, <laughs> yes. Uh, so that'll be coming up soon, and then we have some crossover episodes to finish out the end of the the uh, year with other pods that are you know in a similar space. So yeah. good stuff coming up. Uh, until then, I'll see you in another two weeks. On and introducing. <laughs>